And the kiddos can come forward. Hey, guys. Come on, kiddos. Come forward, come forward. See, Auntie, can I give you those? All right. We'll go ahead and hold this so we can show people what we're trying to use. Okay, can I sit right here? Does that work for our friends at home? You guys see everything? Hi! Hi, Olivia! Hello, Augie. Hi, friends. Can you say hi to everyone out there? Say hi, wave, 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 wave. Olivia has to greet everyone before we can get started here. Friends, I have a question for you. And be honest, okay? Owen, Laney, I have a question for you. Can we start with you? Do you ever fight with each other? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Now we're now we're telling secrets. Okay. Yes. So those of us who have siblings, we can say often it's very easy to fight with one another, but we even fight with our own friends. Do do your friends ever make you mad? No, no. So Daniel Graham Yeah, so sometimes we get mad and we fight with each other. Even the people out there, the big people sitting in the chairs in front of us, they get mad and fight with each other too. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, it happens. So we're going to read a story this morning about two brothers named Cain and Abel. Are you ready? Okay. Adam and Eve, we talked about them last week, right? They had two sons, and the older one, Cain, grew up to be a farmer. So he planted seeds, and he grew fruits and vegetables. And then the younger son, Abel, he was a shepherd. He took care of animals. He took care of sheep. And Cain and Abel's parents taught them to love God and to give God gifts from what they made. Just like we give money at church sometimes to help people in need, that's what they did too. Our giving is a way that we can thank God. Well, Cain gave God fruits and vegetables, but he didn't really take much time to think about how good those fruits and vegetables really were. But Abel did think about giving God the very best sheep. Yes, Olivia is helping us, isn't she? So when they gave their gifts, Cain and Abel talked to God like we're talking to each other right now. And God said, Abel, you did a really good job. But God did not say good job to Cain. How do you think that made him feel? Cain was angry. He was mad because he felt like God was giving more attention to Abel. And he got so mad that he and his brother Abel went for a walk, and Cain hit Abel really, really hard. It was very sad, and Abel died. That made God sad, too. God asked Cain, where can I find Abel? And Cain lied and said he didn't know. Yeah, God, God was angry about that. Yeah, it can be very sad. And the horse is all the way there. And 
Yeah. Well, horses are not always involved, I will say, but sometimes it, sometimes it does happen, and it, it may have happened at this point. So God was so angry, oh, and God was so angry that God told Cain, your life is going to be hard because you're always going to have this with you. You're always going to be carrying this with you. So Cain was scared because Cain didn't want to be alone. So God said, you won't be alone, and God gave Cain a chance to live and make friends and build a family. And God loved Cain even after everything Cain had done. So I have some questions. Why was God happy with Abel? Why was God happy? Because that doesn't mean Yeah, so Abel did his very best. So God was happy with that. Why was God angry? Because Cain hurt his brother. Why was Cain angry? Because he felt left out, right? So let me ask you a question. Do you all know Daniel Tiger? What does Daniel Tiger say to do when we need to calm down? Um. That's it. Take a deep breath and count to four, right? When you feel so mad that you want to roar, you take a deep breath and count to four. That's kind of what God was saying to Cain, too, and that's what we can do as well. So I want to give you something here. In this story, Cain hurt his brother Abel. And what we can learn is not only are we supposed to be kind and not hurt, we're supposed to help people. So what we're giving you here is a package of Band-Aids, colorful Band-Aids. So you can use them when you need one, but you can also share one with a friend. Not only are we supposed to be kind, we're supposed to help people when they are hurt, right? Yes. That's a sticker that has Jesus on it, and it says, you are loved. What do you think about that? You could put that on a big boo-boo. Yeah. It might hurt. It's a sticker. Yeah. So we're going to pray. Can you pray with me? And everybody out there, you can pray with us too. Repeat after me. Dear God, help us to calm down when we feel angry and learn to be kind to others when they are hurting. Now we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together before we say amen, okay? Everyone together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be their name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Very good. Thank you, Owen. You saved me today. You did, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Band-Aids and a sticker. And now you can go to Sunday school or you can go back with your parents wherever you will learn about God the best. Can you all give them a round of applause? Good job, everyone. Watch out, Augie. You got it, bud. Thank you.
Aren't we so blessed to have these young people in our community? And we are learning from them as they are learning, hopefully, from us as well. So we're continuing in our sermon series that we're calling The Stories That Made Us, A Childlike Look at Faith. Most of those stories are coming right out of this book, The Children of God Storybook Bible. I have a confession. The story of Cain and Abel is not in the Storybook Bible. I guess Desmond Tutu didn't want to translate that one. Uh, But we felt like it was important to talk about it today, so we did. So the sharing of the story of Cain and Abel with the kiddos this morning was our reading of Scripture. So this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My first sibling was born just a month before I turned four years old. I have three siblings. The first one was born just before I turned four. And I was old enough at that time to understand that my parents were going to be returning with a baby that we were going to keep. And I was excited about being a big sister. So I don't remember all of the details, but I do know that that glorious day happened in May of 1983. And at some point, my mother came to me and said, did you meet your little sister? And I said, I thought I was getting a brother. Now, I don't remember exactly how my mother handled that. I would not have blamed her if she had cried on the spot But all I remember is her patience and that she gave me time. She gave me time to warm up to my little sister. And I did warm up to her, as you can see here, for a period of time until she began to make my life miserable. She ruined my life. It turns out that four years is just enough of a difference for two people to be living in different stages of life. So as a toddler, my sister destroyed my toys. And as an elementary student, she crashed my sleepovers. And as a junior high or a middle school student, I found her in my closet wearing my clothes with her friends, by the way, all wearing my clothes and trying on my shoes. I will never forget the moment that she put on a cat suit and crawled in and out of a gathering of my friends, purring and meowing just to embarrass me. She ruined my life. We fought like cats and dogs. And my mother, throughout it all, as patient as she could be, reminded us, repeated to us, one day you two will be best friends. I told her she was crazy sibling rivalry. It's no joke. And it's nothing new. We can ask Cain and Abel about that. Again, we find this story in the very first book of our Bible in Genesis chapter 4. So if you want to go back and read it in your favorite translation later, it's in verses 1 through 18 of chapter 4. We're taking a look at this story as a part of our series about having a childlike look at faith. We're calling it the stories that made us. We started two weeks ago now. The first week we spoke about creation. 
We talked about God's creativity and our invitation to join God in creative work in the world. Last week, we talked about Adam and Eve and the serpent. We talked about God's grace and God's mercy. We talked about our own responsibility in the conflicts that we encounter in this life. That certainly brings us to the story of Cain and Abel, who were, of course, the children of Adam and Eve, brothers at odds for the favor of God. Many of you know this story by heart. Adam and Eve were raising their children to love and serve God, and their worship included a presentation of their work, an offering of a portion of what they had earned. This is much like our worship and how it includes the practice of generosity. So Cain, the oldest, was a farmer, and he gave God fruits and vegetables. Abel was a shepherd. He told Cain, Pardon me. Abel was a shepherd, so he gave God his very best stock. And so in that moment, when the offerings were happening, God praised Abel, but God told Cain, you can do better. So Cain seethed with anger toward his brother, and this inner narrative began, it was all Abel's fault, it wasn't fair, Abel was taking all of God's attention, poisoning God against Cain, Abel was ruining Cain's life. So Cain took Abel's life. And what Cain learned in the moments that followed this violent act of murder is that when we think our struggles with other people are all about them, about what they are doing wrong, about what they are doing to hurt us, about their disregard for us, we are ignoring half of the problem, our half. And that is the part that is going to haunt us. The truth is our relationships with other people are not just about us and them. Our relationships with other people are necessarily connected with our relationships with God. This is why we at Morningstar are encouraging people to participate in small groups that we call growth groups. Right, Guillermo? This is why we're saying that this is so important. It's not too late to sign up, by the way. Our relationships with others are connected with our relationship with God. And that's what we see in this exchange between God and Cain after Abel's death. God asks Cain, where do I find Abel? And Cain denies any responsibility for caring about or even knowing about his brother. It's a famous line. Most of us can quote it. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain's anger was bubbling still under the surface at that point, but it was no match for God's anger. You know what you've done, God says, and the darkness of this terrible action will follow you for the rest of your life. You're going to struggle to feed yourself. You're going to wander aimlessly. You're going to suffer. Now, we often read this part of the story as a punishment, a lot like the punishment of Adam and Eve when they were exiled from the garden. We talked about that last week, but I'm going to suggest to you this morning that the outcome of God's conversation with Cain was more of a consequence than it was a punishment. Now, we talked about the difference last week. A punishment is a penalty that is leveled against us by an authority figure because of something that we have done wrong. 
A consequence, on the other hand, is the natural next step, the natural next action that takes place because of a choice that we have made. So if we go back and we read the text, which I encourage you to do, you won't find an exact mention of God actually sending Cain away. God does say that Cain is now cursed by the land and that life is going to be miserable from now on. But the implication here is that Cain is reaping what he has sown. This is a pattern of behavior. The world that he created with his pattern of behavior. His life was miserable before. He already wasn't bearing much good fruit. So Cain receives this word as punishment. We see that in the text, but in reality, he's done this to himself. He did a half-hearted job of tending to the land in the first place. He carelessly gave God whatever was left over of the produce. He nursed jealousy toward his brother, reasoning that God was playing favorites. He told himself that all of the problems that he had would be solved if he just cut himself off from his own flesh and blood. And so he killed that relationship. But what he found was that the bitterness and the loneliness And the feelings of inadequacy remained because they were within him. They were his problems, and they would follow him wherever he went as long as he continued to blame others for them. This was not God's punishment, beloved. It was God's prediction. It was God's prophecy. And a prophecy is a glimpse into the future of things that are going to happen if we do not change our ways. This was God's prophecy of what Cain's life would look like. And we know from reading further in Genesis that Cain continued on this course. Yes, he married. Yes, he had children. And generation after generation of those descendants cultivated that same narrative that began in the fields when Cain was a boy. Life is unfair. The deck is stacked against us. No one is going to do us any favors. We must take matters into our own hands, no matter who gets hurt. This becomes the legacy of Cain's family, a wake of death and destruction. One of his descendants even celebrates his own murderous acts to the point that he writes poetry about it. It's terrible. And it's not what God wanted. But God saw it coming because Cain showed no openness to changing. Did you recognize that he never even showed remorse for killing his brother? But even so, God loved Cain. That's what the whole premise is behind the mark. The mark of Cain. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. It's a mark of identity, a reminder of a holy connection, even if Cain chose to reject it. And this is where we find the good news. It's difficult in stories like this one to find the good news, but it's there. Not in what Cain did, of course, but in what God did to make another way possible. A way that is still open to us if we're willing to change. 
if we're willing to grow, if we're willing to see the connection between our relationship with God and our relationship with other people, if we're willing to admit that there is just no way that all of our problems can be someone else's fault. So what I'm saying here, beloved, is that if we are living with hardness in our hearts right now toward another human being, we have work to do. And it's called forgiveness. And it's called reconciliation. And these are not the same thing. But neither one of them is easy. To forgive is to stop being angry or resentful, to cancel a debt. To forgive is to stop being angry. To reconcile is to restore a relationship or to come back together. So you can see from these definitions that forgiveness requires one person. Reconciliation requires two, but forgiveness requires one person. Now, this does not mean that forgiveness is easier. Sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it means coming to terms with a situation and finding a way to let go of anger and resentment, knowing that you're never going to get that apology that you want, knowing that the person who hurt you is never going to acknowledge that pain. This happens in sibling relationships so often. How many people do you know who don't have much contact with their adult siblings? Maybe that applies to you. There's no judgment here, okay, because this could have been me. I have three siblings, right, and they're all difficult. Just kidding. I'm the difficult one. (laughs) I have come to that conclusion over the past several years, but I told you my sister ruined my life. I was being melodramatic about that, of course, because I was talking about the way things were when we were kids, But the truth is, we challenged each other for decades, and we butted heads regularly. It was a difficult situation off and on. We had terrible fights. The worst one, I remember, spanned 2,000 miles in two months. It was bad. And I don't even remember all of the details, of course. Thank goodness, I don't need to anymore. But I do remember the point where it all culminated, and I was standing in her house telling her, Everything she was doing wrong. (laughs) Seriously. Like, this is why our relationship isn't working, and it's all your fault. And I don't remember exactly what she said to me, but it was something like this. Amy, you are not my mother. And even if you were, I am an adult, and this is my life, and I'm doing a pretty good job of living it without your interference. Again, I don't know if that's exactly what she said, but it is what I heard And it is what I needed to hear because she was right. So that day we began the process, the long process of reconciliation. We don't always see eye to eye. We definitely disagree. I don't think we really argue anymore. I don't remember the last time. And it's not because we avoid it. It's because our relationship really has changed. We did the work of reconciliation, and we operate as much as possible with grace and forgiveness. This happens in part because my sister is a very kind and patient person. So it turns out my mom is right. My sister is my best friend. Moms are usually right. 
Thanks be to God. It turns out, beloved, that sibling rivalry doesn't have to ruin lives. It doesn't have to ruin relationships. And this is true of our biological siblings, our adoptive siblings, our siblings in Christ, and our siblings in humanity as a whole. So maybe reconciliation isn't possible in some cases. Maybe we would like to reconcile with someone who has died. That's difficult. And there are times when separation is the best choice for health and safety reasons. I'm certainly not advocating that we ignore abuse in any forms here. But forgiveness is always on the table. Forgiveness requires one person, remember? Truly letting go of anger and resentment is what makes loving our enemies possible. You knew I was going to get there, right? Because this is what Jesus talks about. Not just loving the people who love us, the people who are easy to love, but actually loving our enemies, loving the people who hate us, loving the people who make our lives miserable. This is the call of those of us who follow Jesus and seek to live in the ways that he lived and the ways that he taught. And Jesus tells us to do this, not to boast because of how gracious we are or even because it's the right thing to do. Jesus tells us to do this because this is how gracious God is to us and because it's good for us. The work of forgiveness and reconciliation, these ways of living, they give us the chance to be who God created us to be to the fullest. People who give God the very best of everything, including our relationships with each other. This is why God praised Abel more than Cain. It was never about the quantity of the offering or even the quality of the produce or the meat. It was about what each offering revealed, the state of their hearts. And this is what relationships can do for us. They can serve as a mirror to reveal the state of our hearts, the things that are going on with us, the feelings that we are nursing, the actions that those feelings produce, the effect that those actions have on other people in our lives. The truth is God was never at odds with Cain. And Cain wasn't merely at odds with Abel. Cain was at odds with himself. And God's reaction to Cain's offering gave him the chance to do some internal reflection and to grow, to take some steps toward growth. Cain refused, and his whole family paid for it for generations. We're still paying for it because the terrible fight continues to wage within us. We know this is true when we look out at the discord in the world. And when we see everything that's happening, we know that we have work to do. As we come to realize over and over again, there's nothing we can do about what's going on out there if we don't first deal with what's going on in here. There's nothing we can do to solve the problems of the world if we're not honest about our own internal issues. So our invitation this week is to ask some questions. You know it is. Every week I ask you to ask yourself some questions. The questions this week, are my relationships reconciled? Am I harboring any anger or resentment? 
Friends, it may seem like I'm overstating this, that I'm belaboring the point, but forgiveness and reconciliation, they are at the heart of the gospel. They are at the heart of the gospel. They are the thread that runs through our biblical narrative. They are the meaning that we find in the cross and the resurrection. This is what it means to follow Jesus, to do the work of forgiveness and reconciliation. So we must be willing to ask ourselves at home, at work, at church, watching the news, even sitting in traffic when someone cuts us off. Are my relationships reconciled? Am I harboring anger and resentment? And if your answers reveal a reconciliation that's just not possible or it's just too much right now, then start with forgiveness. I'm going to let you in on a secret. We don't need people's permission to forgive them. We don't. We don't need people's permission to forgive them. Even if they go on hating us, even if they go on trying to make our lives miserable, we can still choose to forgive and move on and live with a little more freedom. The other part of this is that we don't need permission to forgive ourselves. Now, I don't know if anyone needs to hear that as much as I do, but we do not need permission to forgive ourselves because God has already done that. Forgiveness is already ours. We proclaim that truth every time we participate in this holy meal, which we will do in a few moments once again. I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And you say, hallelujah, amen. I'm not sure if Cain ever accepted that forgiveness, but we can. We can accept that forgiveness, and we can trust that even the most terrible fights truly are capable of being resolved, not by the strength of our own efforts, but by the power of the God of resurrection. Amen? Amen.